and welcome to this uh, episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. And uh, for the first time, I think I'm going to do a bit of a time stamp here by saying Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, Happy New Year to all our listeners. Hope you had a lovely lovely break from work. If you did have a break, if you didn't, then hope it wasn't too bad. Um, I'm without Mark today because Mark... Mark's starting to do some moonlighting. He's doing TV stuff, so um, I've asked him not to come along today. I'm only joking. He, he's, he's he's busy doing work, so he couldn't make it to the podcast. But I've got a regular. I'm not sure about regular, but you definitely got uh, James Harrop. Hey, good. Uh, hello. I was going to say good morning, but hello and happy new year. It is a happy new year to you, mate. And uh, so this is your hat trick, isn't it? It is indeed, yes. Yay. I believe from, uh, was it the last, uh, see if we can get the same ratings as the, was it the first or the second podcast? First one you did on um, on SDN, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. And a thousand still, downloads. Yeah, a thousand downloads. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got second time podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and friend of the show. What's your name? Where'd you come from? Uh, Andy Dobson from uh, Malvern in uh, Worcestershire. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So um, you must be thinking, what are we talking about today? Uh so, we have announced the uh, sort of digital network architecture launch sort of over, just over six months ago now, and a big part of that is software-defined access. Now, I know we've talked about software-defined networking, we've talked about software-defined WANs, and I know we're going to try and do more on that with Vitella in the future. What I want to talk about today and get a bit more really under the hood is, is software-defined access. Mm-hmm. What is it? Where are we going with it? And what does it? What's the real benefits around it? Because it is quite a complicated subject on its own. The more, and I know you, um, Andy, has, has have done a lot of reading, a lot of work, met, met a lot of customers, and done some. Um, and you have a a some good opinions yeah. and points of view on this, which I I love our customers and listeners to, uh, and anybody else to to hear. And James, as our resident enterprise networking expert on. Mm-hmm software-defined access, I wanted to get your view on things as well. So, yeah, I think there's a view as well that's sort of myth-busting. I think there's, um, there's, there's a misconception, I think, in, in some of the things that we're talking about. So it's, it's good, good to get, reach the audience and be able to answer some of the questions that they, they're unable to ask or unable to get resources. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we are. So, does that sound right, James? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That makes sense. Yeah. That's all right then. So, there we go. So, um, I'm just going to throw out there. So, what is software defined access or SDA? Okay. Cool. So, software defined access. So, um, one of the clues is in the title access. So, we're not kind of now kind of discriminating between wired and wireless. Access means means both. How do we get onto the network when we you know, go into the office or, or wherever? Um, it's probably the biggest announcement Cisco's had for quite a while in terms of campus uh, networking and, and switching and wireless. And, um, you know, um, we're not using absolutely brand new technologies. We're using some technologies that have been around for quite a while now, um, actually. But it's kind of how we bring that together. Um, some of the, the kind of the key points um, or you know, key benefits about the architecture is that we're basically automating something that's kind of been quite disparate before now, you know, so I might have a huge campus network uh, across a building, across a city, um, and actually that means I've got a whole bunch of devices um, spread out all over the all over the place in wiring uh, cabinets, and generally speaking, we've we'll had to configure those devices one by one, mm-hmm. um, some kind of process around that, and not just deploy it, but then how do I keep those devices up to date, how do I manage them on a day-to-day basis, it might, you know, to manage those wireless access points and those, those switches. Um, so really what we're bringing in software-defined access um, is that campus architecture, that switching architecture, and we're, we're automating it. We're centralizing the design, build, implementation, um, and also giving a lot of visibility um, as well. So you know, we can kind of close the loop on some of the, um, some of the issues that we may see um, on the network. Um, one of the key things that you hear people in software-defined networking uh, talk about is this thing about policy. And, and straight away, people start thinking about, when we ta- start talking about policy, we start talking about se- thinking about security. Um, policy is kind of bigger than that. Um, but I come back to this kind of automated, centralized um, kind of approach that we've got. Um, and really what we're looking to do is specify our intent, what we want to do on the network in one place. I might want to make sure that user A can't speak to user B. 
boom, I do that in one central place, and that is actually pushed out to all those hundreds and thousands of switches I've got all around my campus. It might be that I actually say, I go beyond security, and I want to say, actually, this is how I want to prioritize my applications across the network. In the past, that's been pretty hard and difficult. Go back to the hundreds, thousands of devices that I needed to touch. Again, I'm going to I'm going to change that policy. I'm going to change it in one central place. Uh, after I've changed it, it's then going to be pushed out to lots of locations. Um, so, it, you know, that one-to-many architecture is something I talk a lot about with that centralized architecture where I'm pushing out my policy and my intent. Uh, so I'm assuming then um, things like uh, updates and fixes, that that's all included in yeah, absolutely. So from um, so in terms of this architecture, what is back to the, the kind of the what is SDA? Um, there is a central controller that's DNA Center. Uh, as part of that, there's an interface to do design, build, ongoing management, and there's a there's a place to do software image management. Um, yep. So you know, one you can see um, whether there's any outstanding pieces, whether there's out of date software, whether I actually kind of need to go and update something. And again, I can use that application for software and image management and patching to basically do the one-to-many thing um, again and actually kind of manage the updates to one or two or maybe a hundred devices at a time. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things I'm seeing, Justin, is is you know we know what SDA is, but trying to get the CIO to understand why he might need it is a, is another question, and 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 we're seeing that. My, my role is effectively to understand, is to help people understand why you would want uh, a software-defined network. Go um, on then. That, well, there's loads. I mean, I, I'm going to say some things. Um, I'm hoping they resonate with some of the uh, the audience, um, and I'm sure many of these things will. And and if you so if you if you're running a large uh, disc, a large network, which is, is bad enough because that can be complex with very very low complexity tasks, but they take up all your time mm-hmm. because there's so many of them. Um, and, and scale that out again, not just from a large network, if you've got disparate networks where you're going to have to send people, you're going to have to have a person of a certain skill set, which might be a difficult in itself. You, you, know, you may have recruitment issues, you may have uh, a skill set issue. Uh, one of the other ones is um, constant changes to the network. If you're, if you're in a network that ha- is always onboarding new applications or is constantly shifting, then SDA will give you the ability to enable new initiatives or even just maintain those old ones more effectively. Closing the skills gap as well. There's this disparity between the, the, the cleverest CCIE and the lowest CCNA. And all those small tasks um, often fall to those that are very, very qualified um, to do and to manage or to oversee. And SDA will then give you, um, will give everybody the, a level playing field in what they can see and what can they can amend, particularly for the low level things, the, the low complexity, long time tasks. Um, so there is that, that ability to close the skills gap within your organization and potentially cross-train them across wider infrastructure problems. Do, do CIOs and IT leaders really care about those things? Um, they do because they're the first port of call when things are going wrong or why there's a delay in a new project or a new program or a new uh, financial initiative. So it, it, they do care because it's ultimately they're, um, they're representing the IT organization one way or the other. Um, and, it, and for them, they need to make efficiencies. They need to create a lean and effective service that does that is able to deliver quickly. Um, and in an agile world, that is becoming more and more prevalent. So is that to the point that when we talk about sort of software-defined access or software-defined networking, is that the network is that has, has officially become that bottleneck for slowing things down in IT? It's a race to the one in many respects now as they move to public cloud. And you can only race to the one if you've got an effective campus network or you've got an effective branch or remote. So the race to the cloud, as in sort of your race to the WAN, as in because your WAN is now your gateway to the cloud. Yeah, yeah. So 365, yeah. Azure. And, 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 you, and uh, you, you can offload responsibility and transfer responsibility of that of the WAN to the SPs, but ultimately what hits your, you, you have a remit from the, the time it comes to your customer premise equipment all the way down. And if you can rule that out as the choke point, then you've got more, ammunition then to go to the uh, service provider. James, what's your what's your thought on what you just said about? It'd be really simple to just say I agree. The kind of the other strand to that, um, you know, back to the kind of the CIO um, type conversation, you know, I think the CIO's got other, um, you know, other problems as well to, mm. to think about for yeah. the business, um, you know, in addition to just, you know, rolling stuff out and kind of keeping on top of things. I think uh, CIO is always thinking about risk. 
business risk uh, and how IT kind of um, supports that or, or doesn't support it. Um, and I think, um, you know, we've kind of talked about the time and complexity side of things, um, adding risk in. Um, but I think, you know, being able to very quickly um, change things, um, I talked about that policy piece, um, that enables us to de-risk, um, actually kind of remove some of the more traditional aspects of, um, you know, of networking um, that we've had in the past, um, some layer two issues that we've previously had. You know, that's an area that we can kind of really, um, you know, help de-risk um, the architecture and therefore support the business better. Um, I think the other um, kind of um, area, you know, is around security. So yeah, we talked about uh, de-risking the business through being able to very quickly be able to deploy security patches at scale. So if you think I've got a large geographical area, how do I physically get around those sites and make sure you know, all my hardware and software updates are kind of happening quickly? So yeah, I think the CIO's got a few things to think about from, from both, you know, time um, and, uh, you know, security perspective. Um, and being able to kind of act quickly, you know, we look at things like breaches um, on the, you know, a security breach might happen in the cloud, but it also kind of might happen in the data center, and the source of that might actually be on the campus network. So how do I pinpoint that? How do I actually kind of change that user's um, access um, mm. into the network? So how how quickly how quickly can you deal with that problem? Looking back at traditional networks, um, you would have a user would be identified by his IP address. If, and, if he, and if they didn't have an identity management system, it was really hard to trace that individual to, to, an, to an object that's, or to an attack that's happened. If, he, if you were to find the problem and relate it down to an IP address, you would need to go through every VLAN, you would need to go through every ACL, and you would need to make amendments and patches to be able to shift that user or his traffic flow to the relevant sandbox, protection, quarantine, whatever. Where we're moving to and what is in, in, in realms of reality now is the ability for the network to be able to see those changes, know the individual, map it to his identity, and then tell the network to shift without, without any manual intervention. I mean, that's going to be the panacea. And without SDA and the ability to be able to have a, uh, an API-based network, you wouldn't be able to do that. It, it would be very, very mandrolic. So have we covered what SDA is and fundamentally what the parts are? There's one bit I want to cover, and it's about... I haven't done about Farago of IT services. Now, that's a big word. Uh, Farago means a hodgepodge, where networks have generally evolved over time. And because of their evolution, they're not necessarily planned. How you would plan a network and build a network is never its ideal end state. It's, it's, this, it's this evolution. And moreover, you get many shadow networks. So many other customers' problems is trying to manage lots and lots of different types of networks that have all been bound together for different reasons. Um, and the knowledge management of those systems also fails. And, and having a centralized repository that DNA Center would provide and a visibility capability, you would be able then to be able to see how and, and how you would like the network to evolve and bring some of that Farago into more simplistic design. So you, may, you mentioned DNA Center there. So what, what's... Yeah, I, know yeah. we are, I know we discussed it a bit on previous podcasts, mm. but I just want to just make sure we have a bit of continuity just to... So, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the components, I mean, let's talk about those. Bit. Is that kind of what you're looking to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah good cool. on that. Yeah, so, I mean, sort of at the very top, you've kind of got um, a brain, as it were, a controller. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and really what you're going to sort of go in and start doing, you know, that GUI interface, you're going to be, that, that is the orchestrator. That's the place where you're going to specify I want to say configuration, it's more back to the policy thing. So what I want to do and specify that blueprint that, uh, that Andy was talking about. Um, after you've kind of been onto the onto the DNA center to specify that configuration, that intent, um, that, that, that configuration is going to be pushed out to those multiple devices. So those multiple devices will be um, in a, a, you know, a two-tier or a three-tier architecture, core distribution and access switches. Um, so, you know, have a, head over to Cisco.com and the CVD, Cisco Validated Design Area, uh, and kind of take a look at um, software-defined access. Kind of give you the pictorial um, view of what we're talking about here, a layer 2 or a layer 3 architecture, uh, a, a, a two-tier or three-tier architecture with core distribution and access. Um, so, in the fabric, we basically have border nodes. Um, 
that is the that is the core um, that's the core switch that's the bit that's um, basically going to go off to the WAN it's going to go off to the data center or wherever and that's the gateway into the campus network um, and then you've got your access switches that's the bit where we're plugging in users or we're plugging in access points for users to get you know wirelessly um, into that, that um, access into that edge node uh, as we describe it um, in, in the SDA architecture so basically we've got a bunch of switches we've got a bunch of switches at the access and a bunch of, we've got a couple of switches at the core um, and then we're going to manage that via you know DNA center I think we're, you know when, when, when we're searching on um, SDA specifically, and the guys are going to go to the CVD, um, the December edition, and, and they're going to see a lot of terminology that they may be unfamiliar with or protocols that they're not used to using. So James, um, I know from my personal perspective, I then went, um, I went away and yeah. decided to not just understand, uh, not not just learn what the protocols were, but I really want to understand what they were doing in simplistic terms. Are you able to? To describe, you know, yeah. what the protocols are and what layer they're sat, or what 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 function they do. Yeah. So um, basically, um, in terms of the architecture, there's, there's two real key areas. Um, one is the underlay, and the other is is the overlay. Um, and, and the underlay um, is basically the network. Um, you know, it, it's the physical network, um, and it's also the um, it's also the layer three. Um, side of things. So we're talking about a, a network that's running from core right through to access. So um, in you know previous designs that you'll see on some of the older CVDs, um, you'll see a layer three and layer two boundary, um, normally at the distribution layer or, or at the collapse core. And um, and what we're actually saying is that actually things like you know layer two and, and spanning tree, we kind of want to get away from those. They introduce potential risk. Um, into into the network, we would just want to kind of have reliable routed traffic um, from core right through to the access. So the thing to me then is this sort of moving away from layer two and getting down to layer three down to the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what would the user need to do? I mean, that that's just a layer three protocol. Everything yeah. is connected at yeah. the lowest level via yeah. a layer three protocol. Yeah. Um, so, and wouldn't... so we have point to point links all over, um, uh, and basically run a routing protocol. Um, you know, to kind of keep things straight. Um, and, you know, an example of one of those protocols would be something more people are fairly familiar with, like OSPF or EIGRP. That would be an acceptable thing to configure on your underlay network. Or you could kind of go into DNA Center and basically hit the easy button and allow DNA Center to go off and configure that layer 3, yeah. that rooted network. I think that's an important thing, Justin, where... Users may think they now have to manage three different networks, but with a lot of the complexity of the lowest level, the layer three network underneath that joins everything together is largely automated. So they're not having to manage a physical network on top of um, many, many other different types of fabric on the top. And there's there's three layers. Um, there's, there's three layers uh, to how it's built. Um, there's a there's a, an underlay, which is layer three. Um, there's a middle um, layer. That allows it to, to translate and, and allows the abstraction to happen up into the top layer, um, and the, the middle layer is largely Lisp based. And, and you want to add for people yeah. that aren't familiar with Lisp, um, what is that providing? What is it? What is it analogous to? You're doing a great job of being a co-host as well, by the way, asking oh, lots of questions. That's lovely. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, 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 James is the expert in the room, um, so it's, it's, yeah. So we talked about yeah, we talked about the underlay network. The overlay is made up of two things. So that is made up of Lisp and is made up of the XLAN. Um, Lisp, um, uh, basically the combination of Lisp and the XLAN allows us to do something uh, which is analogous to basically routing within a VLAN. So again, we kind of give that layer two paradigm. Basically, we give a subnet um, that, that basically is where hosts would sit, you know, devices, uh, users, you know, that sort of thing. But, the, but these devices could sit anywhere, though. So where you say physical subnet, where I would maybe think, well, that would be a, I don't know, that could be a switch. You could yeah. say that, okay, I've got a work bunch of workers over there, and they're going to be, um, that's they're all in HR, and they're all on VLAN 57, and, and that's where they're going to be. And and they're geographically spread. I mean, they, they because their subnet will be will be spread over any, any area, um, because they're, they're no longer identified just by their IP address. Um, so you've got this local subnet you're part of. Am I, am I right, James, in yeah, saying this? Absolutely. And yeah. then there's this routable part 
that is which which is assigned to say this is where you're hanging off, and that and and that is large that is taken away. And I think you mentioned before the podcast when you, you know like looking at DNS type records. Yeah. Yeah. So effectively, Lisp gives us this paradigm of, of basically DNS DNS for routing, really. Um, so basically, I have a mapping database. Um, that mapping database keeps track of where everything is around the network. So I'll go back to uh, speaking about like a big, large campus network. There might be hundreds of switches, hundreds of wiring closets, and thousands of users. Um, you know, so basically, I know where every user is on on the network, um, and it doesn't necessarily matter. And they can move around the network very easily. Uh, an IP address just becomes um, a way to get around the network, and, and and as a and a use as a user, you wouldn't be necessarily concerned with their IP address. If you're if you're operating the system on DNA Center, suddenly that is abstracted. It becomes very graphical and user orientated in how you assign people to um, devices or locations. Well, largely it's going to be around identity as well. So um, your identity will stay with you, and therefore it, you, they just need to know where you're connecting, where you're joining from, I suppose. And that's and that's where the database comes in. It keeps track of where you are. So um the thing. analogy came to my mind when we were prepping was, was around the um was like a postcode. And I like nowadays all I need to know is I'm number twenty three and I've got a postcode. So uh, whatever that may be. But I, I we we're assuming postcodes now assume uh, take me to a, a town or location uh, I mean literally down to a street, isn't it? And the difference with this now is I could have a postcode of number twenty three um, I don't know Acacia Avenue, uh, but 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 that could be no. Sorry, I'm, I'm Justin Wooler would appear. You, it's like you're going to your nearest post office and saying, "I'm I'm here," and you advertise yourself as that post office for that day, and then you go, you could move and then go to a different post office. So basically, you're saying say, your I'm post here. could be turn up wherever you are because it knows where you are. So even though my mail is addressed yeah. for whatever it is, number twenty, number twenty-seven Acacia Avenue. It would turn up here because it knows I'm here. Yeah, for today. Oh yeah. my gosh, I just sussed it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's Amazon Prime for... for <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's been relatively easy to do in the in the wireless space over the last few years. Less so in the wired space. Yeah. I have to go back through, work out who had what IP address on what what time and day and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was... You know, when I kind of go into the kind of the security world, you know, when I'm trying to trace back on what happened on the network, and it might have been a breach or whatever, then you know, all of a sudden, you know, it'd be, it'd be quite hard to trace back. Yeah. And, you know, and, back and to all those ACLs and all those VLANs go away. Well, you'll need that. You'll need them at the lowest level, of course. You'll need them for you know for best practice security, but the extent um, and the ability to deploy. Uh, those mechanisms will be a lot easier. But the benefits that we talked about when we were prepping, as as when you, we'll, we'll tweet the picture of the of the of the storyboard, which which looks as complex as as what software defined access is trying to solve, um, is is but there's there's you've got a nice little quadrant that you talk about okay complexity versus time, and yeah. this is the thing of the it takes away what are low low te- not le- not technically really hard jobs to do but they're time consuming they take a long time to do because you've got to do them everywhere yes and that then allows go on you carry on with that point yeah so, so um if, if you imagine drawing uh on one axis complexity and the other axis time the what this addresses is the bottom right hand corner it's those that are low complexity but take a long time individually they don't take a long time um but when you have many many thousands to do it starts to to break you down it starts to break the organization down and, and a, a large portion of the IT tasks then become these little and often tasks and they're, and they're the prime things that you want to automate and template and, and, and DNA Center through um, its usage of APIs everywhere and a, and, a, and, a, and a step change in how we communicate with uh, routing devices and switching devices has meant that those things can be automated providing those jobs in the top right-hand corner, the high-complexity, high-time, your IT team to focus on those areas and drive the time down on those because they're not having to do the things in the bottom right corner. So that's the benefit to a an infrastructure manager stroke an, an, an IT director, CIO, yeah. is that I am now going to get those routine tasks that take too, too long that take too much time, I can get them automated and get the team working on other things that are more complex and that are higher value. So what, switching. It's switching. It's, it's the switching things. Um, having 
having a voice VLAN, having a VLAN for different organizations, departments, and then, and then spreading those across a large area or a large um, uh, physical geographic space. That, that's when it becomes difficult. And then you chuck ACLs in there as well. And then quality of service on applications, specific applications, and then performance routing for specific applications. It almost becomes untenable. It, it, it is some IT departments at breaking point, and it will give them breathing space to be able to go and do other things. We've had some great discussions so far. And, and the one thing that I'm still quite, maybe because I'm in bit it's simple, but I don't quite get what are the what is SDA and what are the components of it? How does it work? And I, that's the bit I'm 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 a bit worried about yeah. in my head. I've not quite got it got it yet. Okay. Yeah, I think I think we covered. I think yeah, and, and for the benefit of the audience, I think we covered the sort of the underlay and and part of the overlay. We haven't really explained what fabric is. So it's probably good to go yeah, back yeah. to that and what because people do talk about fabrics yeah. and, yeah. and throw yeah. fabrics we do, around. So we do use that that term fabric and overlay interchangeably. I think you know certainly in my head I'm, I'm kind of talking about the same thing. Um, when I talk about it, um, an overlay, a fabric, um, it's something we've seen before, right? You know, you go to a, a big provider um, and you want to get traffic across there, you know, across that big network uh, and you want to get that traffic from, um, uh, let's say, from, from the UK over to America. Well, actually, there's lots of hops and lots of things in between um, those two locations, but I don't particularly care about those mm. hops in between. And that big provider with their network sort of masks that complexity, um, effectively tunneling over the complexity. Um, the, the the fabric is is basically a, a Lisbon VX LAN tunnel um, across that, and that that's effectively what we're doing. That and that is the fabric. And how is this relational to um, VLANs and mapping VLANs? Mm -hmm. Is that something that so we've sort of kind of turned all that on his on his head really? So um, we in terms of you know, a VLAN separating a broadcast domain and a VLAN being something that we divide the network off with. Uh, we've got kind of got two levels of segmentation within that fabric. Um, we have a virtual network. So, uh, you know, that might be a corporate, a guest and an IoT um, network. Yeah. Um, all the Cisco books, Cisco press books. It's uh, what finance, HR and engineering, uh, which nobody's ever deployed. Well, I think there's some concern about, you know, when, you, when you've got IoT devices on the network alongside your sort of production network, there is, there, there is a real requirement still to have some form of segmentation. And, and, and the segmentation is, is, is still there. It's yeah. through encapsulation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, basically we're providing, um, in terms of those virtual networks talked about, separating those three key areas, um, we're using Lisp instance IDs to do that. So that's a you know separate Lisp um, yeah. instance ID um, every time, um, and then kind of within that, um, we're we're basically using uh, we're we're grouping we're, we're providing groups, security groups, scalable groups actually. Um, so we're actually f uh, able to further. Uh, some would call it micro segmentation. Some would call it yeah. Yeah, so going back to that problem I mentioned initially, Justin, and it wasn't necessarily a CIO's problem, but it's certainly a problem in terms of cost, total cost, is that Farago piece where you need to converge networks, physical networks, onto a single uh, management plane. And this allows you to do that. So you're going to have multiple networks running over down a single wire. Um, and, and, but having the same level of security and segmentation as you would come to expect of, of, a, of a new modern next generation yeah. network. Absolutely. The one thing that sort of sticks to me around this is as well as sort of that we, we talked about how it works in regards to doesn't matter where i am the post will always get to me mm -hmm. and that's sort of stuck it, it it feels a bit like a harry potter moment where you, it doesn't matter where you are your owl will turn up for anybody else who hasn't listened to or, or read any of the harry potters you need to read them they're very good uh, or to your kids anyway um but it's that your your mail will always turn up wherever you are the, the thing is that how does that happen and i think for me is about using a fabric but the fabric or, or breaking up those broadcast domains are going doesn't matter where i am or what i'm communicating because of a fabric and the technology built behind it with the xlan as and the tunneling and lisp and as the control and iss as that routing protocol over the back of over the top of it is that i'm only in a one or a two user domain as in me and the thing i'm talking to that's the only thing that's ever in my broadcast domain. I just wanted to, you make it sound sort of complicated there with all those different layers, but actually most of that is taken away through the interface of, of DNA Center. You, the, the, the network team select which devices are part of which network or which, or which users are part of which network, and then that is mapped across the fabric. And a lot of that is automated or intuitively done 
through um, the UI, the user interface on, on from the DNA sensor. So it, it makes it very much appealing and usable as opposed to having to go and do the CLI every time. But you're right in what you're saying. From a user perspective, it's just you and, and you and the resource you want to communicate. And let's you know, let's just take that that kind of that um, example a bit further. So we talked about um, corporate virtual network. We talked about a guest virtual network. And we talked about an IoT um, virtual network. So that kind of allows me to have those different management domains and make sure those devices in those different segments can't talk to one another. But then you might want to go more granular than that. So you might say, well, you know, within that IoT domain, I don't want um, an HVAC system for heating, ventilation, AC, and so on, being able to talk to my uh, bad reader system. So you might say, well, I, I class those two systems as IoT, but there's still a need for segmenting those two systems. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, I was just kind of wanted to make it a bit, bit more real as to, you know. You know what good is that micro segmentation to me? So you can go much more granular, and you can start and back to the whole policy thing. You say, I don't want that HVAC system talking to that um, card reader system. I'm going to put a deny on there. So actually, it's like the access control list that we previously had between VLANs, um, but we just do it slightly differently. The point is, you're getting the same outcome and more visibility. What well, what I think is nice is we're bringing all those technologies together into one. You know, that people have, would have seen this technology or heard about this technology before, but it, now it sits all under one roof, um, and it's accessible from a single, a single location. You're yeah. not having to log on to multiple capabilities. And back to the point you brought up before, you're creating a, a design blueprint, doing it once. You can modify it, easily modify it, and that blueprint is then just pushed out to wherever you need it pushing out. So it might be a hundred switches. It might be a thousand. Play, where devices log onto the network and then wait to receive their policy through through, through the central, through yeah, the central controller. Yeah, so yeah, plug and play a device. Um, it makes RMAs really handy. Um, so if a uh, switch... That's a return to manufacturer, isn't it? Thank you, yes. If you don't do acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> TLAs. <Yeah. laughs> TLAs, whatever. Can't so, show me up on my own podcast. So yeah, that makes... <laughs> So that actually makes uh, an RMA process really uh, easy. You know, if the switch goes pop, I remove that switch. Uh, and this might be a remote site, so I get someone to put that, uh, a new switch back into that, that bay. Um, and then we onboard that um, automatically through plug and play. And then the configuration is, is pushed down. Um, the one that I had kind of um, all backed up at my um, control center, which is TLA center. That sounds that oh, that's great. I think I feel like I understand it a bit better now uh, around how it, how it actually works and all those components of it as well. Um, the one thing that always comes to mind um, is is how do we get there? Is this a big bang? Is this a do you know where I can migrate to to software defined access? It's, it's a really good question, this one, and that's that's uh, the, the to be state um, is really clear because you know things like the CVD describe it. And also um, the accounting describe it, and everyone knows what the vision is. Um, but the path there is different for everybody because everyone has a different level of maturity within their within their IT base. Um, and uh, there's pieces of work going on to help individual organisations to be able to get to the end state. Um, and like we say, the as is state is, is is pretty much known, and the where to state is pretty much known. But there's a lot to go in between, and everybody's different. So I don't know if you want to talk about um, briefly, James, the discussions that are going on and, and what and, and, and what that might be sort of analogous to. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the kind of discussions I've had with a lot of customers and customers are in various different places. The, the real easy button is is when a customer's looking at a brand new site because yeah. that's greenfield, and you know, and if they're kind of looking at all the benefits of this architecture, it's like, well, why wouldn't I do it straight off the bat? And let's put, you know, let's put the latest devices in there. And let's have this architecture, and, and that's that's kind of how it's designed. And, and then we go in. Um, they're the nice ones to to have on a regular basis. And then there's customers who kind of say, well, I'm going to refresh my infrastructure. So uh, you know, infrastructure refresh is, is you know a, a lot of my other conversations, probably about the other fifty percent, um, where you know actually you might be migrating from a traditional architecture that's a layer three, layer two architecture that we talked about before. Uh, and actually, you know, we're saying, well, actually, to go to this, um, that requires a migration to, to layer three. And yeah. that's quite a, a considered approach. 
this piece of design work to, to realize the eventual benefits. And I think there's an ask on the account team if, if you're going through a process of procuring more, more capabilities to say, is this SDA ready? That there, are, there are devices that are out there um, that are already SDA ready that, that span back through the portfolio, but everything moving forward, they should be asking the question, is this SDA ready? And, and, and gradually over time, for those that aren't Big Bang, that can't do it from the Greenfield site, it, it will be a, it'll be a gradual process of bringing them on board, I think, yeah. um, and managing managing how that works. And, 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 and I believe that within the documentation, and I know we've mentioned the CBD a few times, it does go through the products that are SDA ready yeah. and to what level. Yeah, absolutely. So it talks about um, it talks about the tin, the speeds and feeds, and it also talks about the scalability numbers so on right. the router switches, wireless controllers, and so on. So, so the one question that's come to my, that's, that's come from what you say is, is is so the first part of how do I get there is check what my infrastructure is. Well, no, the first part is to be aware of um, SDA and DNA Center because if you're not aware, then you you, you may make purchasing decisions now. That in five years' time, your network is suboptimal in comparison. To yeah, but that goes down to your point of of of, well, of the point yeah. I was making was that understand what what products you have, yeah, and and what what hardware is out there, yeah. and what software it's running may be. So, what have I already got that's capable of doing this? Yeah. If have I got if I if, and then the only reason why I know that is by looking at the products. Go right, I need to become SDA aware. I'm now SDA aware. Look at my existing infrastructure. Or look at what I'm looking to put in, especially if I'm at a network refresh. Like I think most of us all end up having discussions with customers yep. that network refresh are coming up to network refresh time, or they're thinking about a network refresh. They need to understand what products they have out, or what what products they're considering, and then they can then start to yep. make those decisions. There, there are, and we we discuss this thing called lily pads, where there's multiple ways of doing things. So there's multiple ways they can capture the information of where they are now. They can either do it through Cisco Discovery or they can do it through uh, a, an alternative collector system and they'll be able to know exactly what their network looks like and be able to do a capability gap analysis. We're not going to define how they do that, but there are multiple ways in which to do it. Then moving forward, they then need to look at, well, what part can we do first? Be able to prioritize which is important, which, which are the areas that are creating the most pain points that are providing those um, low complexity, long time tasks. Is it in the access? Is it in the access? What size is it? How much can is, we do in one Is that area? then to just, to, I'm trying to, put, in my head, I'm quite analytical. I need to think step one, step two, three. So one, learn about SDA. Learn about its capabilities. Two, look at your existing infrastructure. Three, then is what are the tasks, those low-level tasks that I need to automate? Yes. That I'd like to automate. And co- and then, then you can start to, so you're building a bit more of a picture, need, really, you aren't need, you? You do need to have an understanding of your own network. Um, I, I, what I don't want to do at, at this stage, and I'm sure James agrees, is quantify what these steps are because they are so different for each individual organisation. Um, w- but they were quite open things, though, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and, and and we've not been very specific. Yeah, understand your network, <laughs> um, understand what protocols you're using, understand where the gaps are, and, and really start tracking those those tasks that are that are creating problems, or or understand what, what speak to your IT team. What are their problems? What, what would they like to change? And then see if that can be addressed within, within DNAC. But so James, do you agree with that? I mean, what, what's your view? I mean, I, yeah, I tend to agree with it. I mean, yeah, the, there is no one sort of set process that we take a, a customer through. Um, lots of things, you know, there's a particular customer that I spoke to a couple of months ago, and, and they were in the uh, position that actually they'd refreshed their infrastructure about 18 months ago, um, or maybe even two years ago, and they were kind of saying, look, my SDA ready? The answer was actually yes, you are um, SDA ready in terms of you know procuring mm-hmm. the tin. Um, but you know what does your logical architecture look like? You know that layer two or layer three and all that kind of yeah. stuff. What is it you're trying to achieve? Actually, they were trying to achieve a level of segmentation that they were finding difficult to achieve with traditional networking, um, and they were looking to make um, basically the ongoing security policy management and segmentation management heck of a lot easier um, with their limited resources. So that was kind of like, you know, the target architecture, the target, the requirements they were trying to get to. So, And, and, and going back to the point about the differences, I've got, I'll, I'll sort of discuss two customers, two completely different use cases. One is um, they spend a lot of time sending people and flying people overseas, or they've, they've got many, many remote branches, and it may be cost effective to start there, the small remote branches, and, and work out how many you've got. Because that then will ultimately save costs because you don't have to do site visits or 
the, um, the, the, the process and automating, you'd be able to move that back into the center. Another one, which is, which is equally as important, um, is mergers and acquisitions. If you're going through a merger and you've got a network and you're having to join them together, then what better way to do it on, on a campus level? So there's, there's an, or rationalization. If you're scaling down, it's equally as important. If you're going to have to scale down, then it, it, might be an issue, it might be a case where you would like, to, when you do scale down, is to do it in a way where you want to get to. And that scaling down might be FDA. There's, loads, there's so many. There's yeah, so that, many. That's a really good one now. The, the mergers. The customer, the mergers, um, regularly buying companies, particularly like Cisco, um, you know, bringing those companies on board. Those companies might have exactly the say, identical IP address and space. That has a whole load of complexity with it. Um, actually, the fabric actually kind of overcomes that very, very well. So bringing that company in, say, get to a point where you want them to share the same centralized infrastructure. Again, you know, this architecture enables that. In our world as well, we have this perception that everyone has a Cisco network, and whoever you buy and acquire also has a Cisco network. So imagine, and we talk about this evolution, of, of not knowing what as you as you acquire and you merge, you don't know what you're merging into and what you're acquiring. So, and then so the level of complexity changes again. So this is so you the question that comes to my mind then from that statement is that when you does this need Cisco everywhere? No, no. I think that would be unfair to say. I think um, but the I think there's there's there are other questions to ask about SGN in general, and that's making sure that any device you. Um, Procure generally should have a restful or netconf interface. I mean that is the question to ask. If I was if if I was buying any network now, I would make sure that it was accessible and configurable through APIs. But just from an SDA perspective, so if I if I'm making an acquisition, I, I, I'll say okay. So I, I'm thinking with a bit of a public sector, you've got two councils who want to start working together mm-hmm. or start merging in that merging backend platforms or things like that. Then do they? If I want to do SDA, do I need to have Cisco? across both or can I do yeah I mean look, look, let's be absolutely clear here so we've talked about a fabric um, that we've come up with which you know this combination of the exciting and the control plane um, and that is something that, that is specific um, to Cisco um, and, and that's how we've um, kind of worked out how to make things easier across the infrastructure and define policy but there are other ways of, of doing that there are some uh, much more open standards was talking about uh, and we've got other architectures um, and, and things like that we're working with with other vendors uh, I bring up something like the security group tags you know there are other vendors that have adopted that allow us to kind of have that similar flexibility so we kind of have the answer of um, yes we have openness um, and, you know and we can do cross vendor things in terms of software defined access and this particular fabric um, that's something that's that is unique to Cisco and other vendors may adopt. I, I think to sort of complement the point, there are there are mechanisms in place to be able to still work with non SDA compatible networks, and that and if you take the service provider network that you plug into, for instance, th- this is where the difference in types of border nodes come in, where they know that there's an air gap between one place and another, um, and 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 because of the Lisp capability, what's a border node? So I um so. About 30, 40 minutes ago, I talked about those um, those core um, those core switches. Was I not listening? You weren't listening. No. Oh, so those I was, I was, switches, I was producing. I was producing. <laughs> those core switches are right. the border nodes. So All those right, okay. bit that talk fabric on one side, and they go off and talk to other networks on the other side. It might be a data center. It might be a wide area network. It might be the internet. Yeah. So All right. It, Sorry. So we were All able right. to have those. Um, those gaps in, in in technology it just and it just goes back to traditional routing it goes back to traditional routing and switching where you interface That's so it. i could add so what i would then do if i if i uh, connect to another network from a, another like i say a council or a, or another company mm-hmm. i'll just bang in a border node yes the one question that that comes to mind from from another question that comes to my mind so, so thanks for clarifying about the border node and i will listen better next time but i was just checking my levels and i obviously missed it the good excuse the the thing is is that when i and i have had discussions with customers about this and they all go right well i've got this big network refresh do i do it everywhere do i just if i'm buying new catalyst 99k switches i throw them out everywhere i turn sda and sda on everywhere is that why i have to do it or do i do, can i can i migrate can i start just going i'll do traditional networking in one part of my and i'm, I'm thinking big universities here and, and, and that's the discussions i've sort of had around this and i'll go do i do it 
everywhere? Do I just do it on one part of the, of the network or campus and then grow it out once I'm comfortable with it? What's your thoughts on that? Wait, tech. My thoughts on it, it kind of comes back to the steps, the, 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 the lily pads type discussion. And I'm not going to give you one specific answer, but the, the key thing that I talk to customers about who may adopt this at one site or 10 sites initially um, is that they have a layer three architecture. So in terms of logical architecture, there's no layer two in the network, and that is the key design consideration. Um, a brand, so it might be a brand new site, it might be something where we're refreshing the infrastructure or whatever. So if, if you want to go, you know, fabric straight away, maybe at one site, try it out, see how it looks, that would have a layer three underlay, the underlay that I talked about. But so, if you were so doing another that- site, you didn't want to have to go and deploy a fabric, you would still make sure it's a layer three. So still, just make sure you go layer three then, and then you can turn on SDA in the parts that you want to do it. It, it would be easier later on to turn it on at a later date. It would certainly make uh, the change a lot simpler. From my perspective, Justin, I would, I would similarly to say, be SDA aware, because these decisions you make now, you're going to have to stay with, for, you're going to have to keep for five years until your next refresh. And that is a long time in technology terms. So become, S, become SDA aware. And therefore, then you can move as technology moves um, and it, because of the agility it will provide. No one wants to be in an organization that is using technology that no one else is using or is inflexible with how, with how things change. The saying is first to be second, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I, and, that, and I wouldn't say that. No, no, I wouldn't say that. But it, you don't want to make decisions made now could have an impact later on. And I think it's best to be SDA aware and understand what benefits it brings to your organization. So there's, there's various shades of it. I mean, I've seen customers go a whole, you know, citywide campus straight off the bat. Some people have um, gone uh, less so. They've made sure they've got a layer three infrastructure uh, of the buildings that they're refreshing. And one of those smaller buildings that they've refreshed, actually, they're going to use that as the proof of concept mm-hmm. value. Um, so there's kind of every all shades in between there. So, um, so I, great guys. I'm, I'm really pleased. I think I feel that we've we've come coming to sort of a, a bit of a natural end close to the podcast because you, I feel we've gone a lot more in depth than we did sort of six months ago, James. The thing is, there anything else that's been coming? Because it was six months ago we we announced it. You mean? And I know we never launch everything on day one, or everything's not available on day one. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of one of the areas that we probably mentioned, one of the five areas that we mentioned six months ago, um, uh, was about the um, basically about the, the network analytics um, piece. Um, we put it under the banner of assurance. So we've talked a lot about SDA and we've talked a lot about DNA Center. DNA Center is also providing that management into interface, those manage those management tasks and the ability of the network enhanced with network analytics. So pulling all the data back. So pulling back um, things like user identity context, pulling back um, you know, network data like NetFlow and, and, and all that kind of stuff, basically putting it in one place um, and actually giving insights as to what's going on. So rather than someone who's managing the network having to look in 10 different places to troubleshoot the problem, that data is pulled in from those 10 different places, correlated and then presented almost like as a, as a an issue, um, and then maybe even uh, you can actually pump that out to a trouble ticket automatically as well. Um, so uh, that was the that that's kind of the thing that's being announced now, or we announced it six months ago, and it's actually been released on DNA Center. So it's the assurance part of things. It's network analytics, um, and the idea is that you can actually spend your time. Um, doing more interesting things than going off and logging on to 10 switches and working out what's going on. And, and I think that's key, and that's something that, that, that the network um, brethren out there will be concerned about. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And, and I would always summarize to say, you become you become the best that you could possibly be on the network, and you do the job that you love to do, the one that you expected to do, not not the low-level things. It's doing all, you, you become a business analyst, you become an analyst, you become a mediator, and then you become um, a, a network uh, expert in, in solving issues. I, I love the saying, to be the best you can be on the network. Exactly that, exactly that. Um, and they, the audience needs to, to sort of understand that they, they will love their job a lot more being able to be this proficient. 
like I like the bit about the business analyst. I mean, basically, they're given a lot of visibility. Uh, we've talked before about that feedback loop. So I do all these changes um, on the network, and how do I actually know that that security or that policy service policy actually worked on the application traffic? Well, actually, I've got a tool that, that tells me that, and I've got a tool that told me when it didn't work, uh, and then I can use all that intelligence a lot more quickly um, and actually provide a lot more value to the business. That that was lovely. I like that. <laughs> You've had quite a profound moment there. The last couple of minutes have been quite profound. So, um, thanks, guys. Thank you, Andy. Uh, second timer and uh, hat trick performance from from James. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, if you want to know any more about this. Uh, you can go to uh, cisco.com forward slash go forward slash SDA, uh, software defined access, SDA. Uh, you can also, if you want to find the CBD, go to cisco.com forward slash go forward slash CBD. Uh, look in, I would say, under uh, DNA sent or DNA, digital network architecture, and in there you'll find uh, software defined access CBD. So you can go and find it there. There's no one URL that took you straight there, but th- those are the two URLs to go to. Forward slash go forward slash uh, SDA and then go to force.go, force.cvd and just Google it. <laughs> and other search engines are available. And, and Cisco, SDA, CVD. Yeah. There you go. All right, then. <laughs> to make, you just automated a process. For those in that their I car make... now that are looking for a pen <laughs> <laughs> to write down all these URLs. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thanks very much for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you want to go back and listen to other podcasts we've done on this before, if you want to go listen to Andy Dobson again, listen to James as well. He's done loads now. That'd be great. If you want to contact the show, you can do. You can uh, tweet me at, at Justin Woolen. You can email me at Justin uh, justin.woolen at cisco.com, 2Ls1L. Uh, you can connect to me on LinkedIn as well. We've had a couple of people on LinkedIn, so we always love to hear from people. So uh, thanks very much for listening, and uh, see you on the next podcast. <laughs>